Introducing The Vet Detective, brought to you by PSI Vet, a quick and candid series for veterinary professionals where we uncover the underlying challenges that limit your business's potential. Featuring your host, PSI Vet's Kimberly Schaefer. Hello, Vet Detective listeners. Today we have a special guest on our episode, um, Dr. Alcott, and he's going to be talking to us about technology and practice. And I think it's a really good thing to be discussing right now, especially with us having to shift ways that we're doing things with COVID and, you know, some of the different challenges that come up as far as, um, you know, our day-to-day operations and how it can really get those those operations streamlined a little bit better or improve efficiencies. And um, I actually worked with Dr. Alcott in practice uh, several years ago in emergency, and he's a great doctor. He's really smart. um, And I really like why he created his company, Vitus Vet. Um, And, but, but more so just as far as really kind of figuring out different ways that we can make our profession cater a little bit more to our clients from a technology standpoint. And so I'm really excited to have him on here today and welcome Dr. Mark Alcott. I grew up uh, just north of Albany, between Albany and Saratoga in a small town called Latham. And then um, probably like a lot of your listeners, I only really ever wanted to be a veterinarian since I was probably 12 years old. I went to college in Western New York, vet school at Cornell, and then I moved down to Maryland to get away from the winters. (laughs) Yeah, and how's that working out for you? Oh, this is a a, a (laughs) dream come true compared to what it's like up there. March is the worst month up there, and we're on the the upward slope, I feel like, here in the metro D.C. area, so – but, I feel you know, we've actually had a winter this year. Like, last couple years, I don't feel like we've had much of one, you know? I agree. uh, My family went up to – not – Upstate, but Western New York um, is where my family, my husband's family is from, like the Niagara Falls area. Yeah. Um, and we went for a spring break trip. And the 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 trip was supposed to be to Florida that year. Um, but we had some went family. To Buffalo instead. <laughs> we had some family things come in and we ended up going to Buffalo and, and took our kids to Niagara Falls. And that was the coldest I have ever been in my entire life. Oh, that sounds um, like the, what the was, kids think of it. Must pretty cool. It was it was frigid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was just frigid. So they, I mean, they liked it. They thought it was pretty cool. But my husband was like, we have to come back up here in the summer. It's a little bit prettier and less cold. So I tell you, there's nowhere prettier than upstate in Western New York in the summertime, you know, June, July, it's absolutely magnificent. The Finger Lakes, yep, you know, yeah. you pay for it in February, but um, yeah, I still get a chance to go up there. I served on the board of the vet school um, for several years, and I'm actually now the past president. I think this is my last year. So I went up there before COVID at least a few times a year, and um, yeah, it's pretty up there. Yeah, I, I, it's, it is very, very beautiful, and he goes fishing all the time and, mm. and loves that, loves the, the lakes up there. Yeah, um, for sure. So I'm looking at your your bio here, and I see you have some geckos. Tell me about I those. Do. Yes, I have uh, three kids. One of them will probably end up being a veterinarian. The other two don't show too much interest right now. But my daughter, she so far is like her mother and me in that she's kind of an animal accumulator. Uh, you know, it's funny. how You've probably seen in practice how usually uh, in a couple, there's one that's kind of the break on uh, adopting pets and then there's one of them who wants a house full 
Yeah. In our house, nobody is the break. So we have geckos <laughs> and I've even, we've gotten snakes, four dogs, couple cats. I mean, we'd have a giraffe if we could. My wife yeah. and I, have, you know, I've, I've seriously contemplated. I wonder if we could put sheep in the basement. How long could we get away with that before <laughs> someone in the neighborhood would, you know, rat us out or something? But yeah, it's a, yeah. very much an animal loving household. We, we have a lot of them. We have two um, leopard geckos. We have fish tanks in almost every room. We've got mm -hmm. two cats and a dog. So I definitely feel that um, we've, we've, we've wished that we could sneak some little baby goats or chickens in our backyard, but we live in a residential area. So I don't think they'd allow that. Yeah. HOA would be really angry about that. <laughs> If that's true, but it'd be uh, so worth it until you got this thing, it'd be great. <laughs> until you accidentally get a rooster and it starts like you know cawing at the at the moonlight. But uh, just tell them it's an app. I know. Oh, doesn't it sound so authentic? <laughs> no, it's that's like great. a it's, it's a caged bird that's just making a mimic sound. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's so, an African uh, gray, right? Yeah. <laughs> So uh, today's episode, we're talking about improving the connection between veterinarians and pet owners. And I liked that that is kind of your, your goal and your, your company's goal. So, um, you know, obviously when we're changing the dynamic of how we communicate with, with clients now, especially with COVID and curbside and, and, and everything, you know, talk to me a little bit about how we've had to adjust and really, um, change the way we do things in order to communicate with our clients. Yeah, I had kind of an eye-opening experience. Uh, after probably 15, 16 years in practice, I went back to business school and got my MBA and uh, really had my eyes opened about how far behind we were as an industry compared with modern consumer expectations, specifically around communication, right? I mean, still very much yeah. a telephone and fax heavy industry at a time when people don't even really want to talk on the phone, you know, and it's not just millennials. A lot has been made of sort of new school clients, if you will, but even, you know, introverts like me and like many in our profession, um, there's a lot of things that whether it's annual exams, nail trims, routine labor, there's a lot of things in practice that requiring your clients to pick up the phone and call you does two things. One, it makes it much less likely that they're actually going to. And two, the impact it has on your practice can lead to a lot of that kind of front desk chaos that's mm -hmm. now been even accelerated with COVID when every visit now has to have four or five phone calls. And it's kind of crazy making. And, you know, at the same time, we struggle finding veterinarians and technicians. There is a, a human resources challenge. Finding and keeping great people is a big challenge. So we view technology as a productivity enhancer. That's what it's really all about. You know, you can only really talk to one person on the phone at a time, for example. But I can have text threads with five people at a time and be fairly effective at it. So it's just yeah. kind of a force multiplier. That's kind of how I see technology and it was, we always said, oh, you know, the average vet practice is a good 10 years behind the times when it comes to technology. When I went through business school, I realized that's not cute anymore. You know, that's a threat yeah. to the profession. And it's a threat to the relationship with our clients. And there's plenty of other alternatives now you're starting to see them come out that are happy to take that relationship away from you. So, yeah. um, 
I mean, I just, you... I was watching TV the other day and I saw an, a commercial for, I think it was DoorDash, where they will go and pick up your PetSmart or Petco uh, orders and deliver them to your house yep. and people will pay for it. Yes. Yeah, they will. They're so busy. Time is at such a premium. And that's, that's the thing. We need to look at this. Many practices, I, I would say all of them say they're client service oriented. Right. But I would challenge them to really take a look at what you mean by that. Not client service oriented as if it's 2003. Are you client service oriented the way Amazon or Uber is? Or what's your user experience? Forget everything you know about vet practices because that's the other thing, right? I mean, many of us only know working in veterinary practices. So we have this curse of knowledge where we think every industry is like ours and they're not. Mm -hmm. um, in many ways, we can learn a lot from the restaurant industry, from a lot of other small and medium-sized businesses that have had to adapt. And I think we're now starting to see it in our profession too. COVID's been an accelerant for that too, with curbside. And um, we started working on texting and text to pay before COVID started, just because we saw an opportunity to improve the checkout flow in practices. I mean, talking to not only practice team members, but clients too, that whole checkout and payment is a real painful process, it, you know, it especially really at seven o'clock at night or six o'clock, people just want to get home. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then there's people coming in to pick up refills and here comes somebody out of the room that just had a pet euthanized and your water skiing behind your two Labrador retrievers who want to greet the other dogs in the checkout line. It's just not good. So yeah. how do we improve that? You know? Well, and you I'm think not... about, sorry, did you, but when you think about like some of these, um, you know, companies, what we've seen in the last year is that if you're not adapting, you're going out of business, right? Yeah. Like there's malls that are going out of business. There's sure. stores that are going out of business and restaurants. And then there's some that are really excelling. And, you know, in the veterinary profession, the veterinary profession isn't going to go away. You know, right. it's, it's not a, it's not a service that's just going to go away, but the practices that are adapting are going to show tremendous amount of revenue growth. And the ones that aren't are going to be struggling. I think you're right. Exactly right. Yeah. There's a, and in any, in any industry over time, there's a tendency toward consolidation. You know, mm -hmm. it's easier to compete if you're a five doctor practice, think of it for no other reason. And how do I recruit young veterinarians or technicians? Do you want to work at a practice where, um, you know, I have to work one weekend a month and we have an ultrasound or we have great mentorship, or am I going to be the second doctor? And as soon as I come on board in August, that veterinarian is going to take two weeks off and I'm on my own, you know, yeah. and we're still handwriting records, you know, <laughs> no way right. people aren't going to do that. So especially the digital natives that are coming out of vet school right now. I mean, it's, you know, it's crazy to think that. So, um, well, and I think there's, I think there's a misconception too, in some of these, you know, older school type thought practices where they have a, a, a misperception that their clientele are all old or they don't want to text or they'd rather come into my practice and pick up a 40 pound bag right. of dog food. And, but they don't really have any, any real way of measuring whether or not that perception is real. Oh, sure. Okay. And so, right. yeah. And, and there's like, don't you want growth? Isn't the goal of being a practice owner to have some form of growth, right? You don't want to be stagnant. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. And to make your team happy too, there's a, there's part of that 
is a big piece of this. Um, yeah, but even, you know, I think mobile phone usage and texting usage is growing fastest among senior citizens. Like they don't, it's just consumers in general, like they, the idea of having to pick up the phone, because here's mm -hmm. what they think. They think I'm probably going to get put on hold, you know, and if you've ever done mystery shopper stuff with your practice and had somebody call, call you, you know, a hundred times over two weeks and just do the tally. We did that once. We had an intern do it a couple summers ago, and it was something like 40% of the calls went to hold almost immediately. People mm -hmm. are going to put up with that. You know, they want to be able to do it digitally. Um, because the other thing that's kind of interesting, when you look at the psychology of telephone calls, like why, why people feel that way is for a lot of folks, a telephone is kind of an intrusion. You know, like I, I want to be able to, I don't necessarily want to talk to you right now. I'd love to be able to just text this because I'm multitasking. I've got a lot of things right now and I'm remembering I need to bring my dog in for the annual. So if you make it easy for me to just fire you off a text and set that up, I'll do it. But if Absolutely. you erect roadblocks and frankly, having to pick up the phone and call is a roadblock that will sound crazy to somebody who, um, you know, graduated, uh, longer ago than well even my vintage i'm i graduated from vet school in 95 and things have just changed so dramatically mm -hmm. since then you know we went on a cross-country tour this past summer with the kids out into some of the western states and one of the coolest things was in boulder colorado my oldest is actually a freshman in uh, cu boulder and when we were out there looking around a lot of the restaurants we went to used a software called toast and they had this basically touch-free checkout where when you were done, the uh, server would bring out a receipt. It had a QR code on it. You scan it, you pay, you leave the tip, and they send you a note that says, thanks, we told your servant you paid, you're welcome to go. And we left. That's and awesome. it was super cool. So why can't veterinary practices do that, right? I mean, not only is it a better experience for your client, but it can also increase throughput Right. If you look at the numbers there now, that checkout process, I don't know this for a fact, but my guess is from the restaurant industry, the difference between seeing 20, 20 tables a day and 24 tables a day is a big deal to them. So right. if I can turn that checkout process from something that takes 10 minutes into something that takes two over the course of the day, I can see three more people that adds up. Um, I think, yeah, and when you, when you put that into a veterinary veterinary hospital where you've got the front desk team is just dying because right. they are, you know, the phones are going off the hook, going crazy, and and just being able to release some of that and have someone who's just responding to text messages, how how yeah. cool would that be for your employees? Um, another yeah, thing that. Didn't they probably didn't apply to your practice to spend all the time on the telephone, right? I mean, right. who are the who are the folks that are applying for these roles? What's their age range? Are they fans of the telephone? No, not really, you know? Right. So a lot of it is, is about uh, team member retention and, and making their life easy too. Well, and you, and you think about it on a broader scale too, not just in the checkout process or check-in process, but think about if you have, you know, surgeries that you're doing all day long and trying to to find the time to call the owners and let them know that their pet is okay. Like, what if you could just have the text text a picture of their pet? And like, that client is going to feel so much more reassured that their pet is, is doing okay and people are loving on their pet and they don't have anything yeah. to worry about because they're getting updates throughout the day. Like, how cool would that be? 
it's very cool. Clients really appreciate it. Um, you know, I remember on my surgery days, I would always run into that frustration. You know, you uh, you do a dental, you recover the patient, extubate them, and I would want to call the client and give them an update. But of course, it'd be 10.30 in the morning and I'd get their voicemail. I'd leave a detailed voicemail, hang up, go scrub in to do the next procedure. Sure enough, that's when they call. I can't step away and talk to them then. So it's just this phone tag that goes back and forth that nobody right. likes. Yeah. So in that case, especially with our texting solution that's integrated with the PIMS, when you send that picture and a text, it's stored in your medical record. You know, Fluffy did great. Here's a picture, no extractions. Come pick her up at five. That's great. Clients love that. And then you take the next step. What we've seen with, with text to pay, what's really cool is if you can take care of the bill before clients even walk in your door, now the experience for the client is a reunion with their pet. It's the hugs and the kisses. Oh, I miss you so much. Oh, you look so great. I'm so happy to see you. Instead of when they're walking in the door, they're stressed out about what the bill is going to be. And I've mm -hmm. got to pay this. But what if I could just Again, like that toast experience, what if I just paid it before I even walked in the door? And certainly if people have questions, then you, you can talk to them. But we've seen a lot of practices that are starting to do that, have people pay for surgeries or boarding or any kind of pickup before you even walk in the door. So that box is checked. And now you can just be all really the warm and fuzzies when uh, they come into the practice, which really strengthens the bond, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And and from a business perspective, what I've seen, because you know, when I'm when I'm meeting with different practices and, and discussing different credit card processing fees and things like that, one of the things that I think is sometimes under um, explained is that especially during COVID, if they're taking credit card numbers over the phone and entering it into their system, they're getting a, a higher fee than they For would sure. If they're yeah. if they're doing it from a different method, such as like you know a curbside or or a text yeah. pay, so their their uh, merchant fees are are probably you know much higher than what they're used to because of that. For sure, yeah, exactly. And then ultimately, the goal we'd like to build to is uh, experience where a client has their credit card stored in the app, so you can have like a Dunkin' Donuts checkout experience, you know, where it's just yeah. bang, I pay, walk out the door. You know, well, and then a you, QR code or something like that, and it's just, you know, everything. sure. And and you also get that again from the business aspect. You get it, it, an easier, simplified way of collecting payments, so you're probably more likely to get those payments than yes. than you know having put it on the bill or or let me let me call in when I get home or whatever the case is. When you're so talking like practices, what are the big challenges that you're hearing about? I mean, are they they're slammed and super busy what's on their minds i mean i gotta tell you when when i call practices i i would say nine out of ten times they're trying to survive 2021 or you know get, catch up from 2020 so yeah i mean while there is you know definitely been the increase in revenue that practices are seeing um obviously they're seeing more more volume or or um you know people adopting pets things like that but just trying to keep up like just trying to focus yeah. or put so time away for yeah like you pick up the the inefficiency absolutely yeah yeah and, and that's a drain on the team and 
you know, I listened yeah. to this really interesting podcast a few weeks ago about sort of the state of the industry. And one of the uh, gentlemen that was speaking uh, was Jay Price, who's the president of uh, Southern Veterinary Partners, a really thoughtful guy. And his point was, from a strategic standpoint, if you think about um, how hard it is to find veterinarians and technicians as well, um, that's not going to go away anytime soon. When you talk about, you can do the math, you know, how many veterinarians graduate from vet schools every year? How many are available? Where are those schools? And I thought they had a really ingenious strategy of focusing um, on the southeastern part of the United States because there's a lot of veterinary schools down there. You know, and mm -hmm. you think about some of the bigger, more populous states that only have one or two vet schools. But Alabama, for example, has two vet schools. And a lot of people, when they graduate from vet school, they want to kind of stay close to home. So even as a recruiting tool, I thought that was really, really interesting. Same thing for technicians, right? How do you find these people? Where are they? How do you attract them and make it really appealing to work in your business? If you want, you mentioned growth. If you want to have some growth or at least retain the clients that you have, you're probably not going to be able to do it by blowing out walls, hiring three vets and, you know, uh, seeing two times as many appointments. You're mm -hmm. probably just not going to be able to find the staff to be able to do that in most cases. So if you want to be, if you have a growth mindset, how do you become more efficient with the team you already have? How do you increase your average transaction charge? Those sorts of things. Whereas 20 years ago, or um, I remember wasn't that long ago where you look in the back of JAVMA and Maryland alone probably had 30 um, ads looking for veterinarians. Um, and yeah. then it got back to the other part, the other end of the extreme where there were only like two um, in the Great Recession. So um, I think that practices are just, that's not going to change. You know, it's going to be really oh. continue to be difficult to find really good help. Well, and then, and, and you're, you're mentioning a really great thing, which is, could be a whole nother uh, episode to, for discussion, but retaining, you know, recruiting and retaining staff. I mean, mm -hmm. it, like you said, it's always going to be a problem, but I can tell you that these new doctors and new, you know, the new generation of technicians and doctors that are coming, looking for places to work, they don't want to work at a place that has paper records. No they want to work for a place that has technology, that has, you know, ways that are going to stimulate them on their level. Um, you know, I have a, a almost 20 year old son. And if I call him on the phone, he won't answer the phone, but he'll immediately text me back. What's up? I'm like, why can't you answer yeah, the phone that. when I, I call you? And it's true though. Like it's true because I do it too. And I'm like, you know, I, I do it with my mom and she's like, why don't you answer the phone? I'm like, cause I yeah. don't want to talk. About Isn't it funny? Right yeah. Some of that's generational. Some of it is introvert, extrovert. I have friends that love talking on the phone and I'm like, what planet are you from? Like, wow. Okay, great. You know, but I kind of yeah. got to gear myself up to talk on the phone or something. And that's, that's just the reality of, um, again, back to that curse of knowledge that practice practice owners or the decision makers in these practices that have worked in veterinary medicine for 30 or 40 years, things have changed dramatically um, and what the consumer yeah. expects. Um, exactly, exactly. And so, you know, if you're a new person looking for a job, 
first place you're going to go to when is, is you're going to go to their website. What does their website look like? Is it yep. clunky? Do they talk about team members versus staff? Do they have core values? Do they do they have um, different ways to to you know be seen and and they're looking at those things and those are going to be the draws, not necessarily the wage. You know, mm -hmm. it's going to be is this going to be a place where I can you know utilize my skills effectively or is this am I going to be in the dark ages here? Yeah, I read uh, a great book, oh, the title escapes me, but it talked about the three things that people want are mastery, autonomy, and purpose. That's mm -hmm. what we all want. Whatever our job is, wherever our role is, that's like a human need. Mm -hmm. How do we get really good at something? How do I have some degree of autonomy? And how does what I do align with a higher calling or a purpose? You know, mm -hmm. like you mentioned, your core values. Simon Sinek talks about, you know, the why people don't, you know, people don't care much about the what is when they know what your why is. Um, mm -hmm. and I think that's very true when it comes to recruiting as well. You know, what does your practice stand for? Um, yeah. If it's, if it's, I remember also, and I guess some practice probably still do this. If the, if the ad in the back of Javim, if you're trying to hire somebody and you're talking all about the cool equipment that you have. Or if you're using that to try and attract clients, like you've got the state-of-the-art ultrasound machine, they don't care. Mm -hmm. You know, clients for sure don't care about that. They just they assume that most veterinary practices have that kind of stuff. What differentiates yeah. you on service? And um, you know, are you going to love my pet? <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, it's they don't care about the the university that you graduated from most yeah. of the time. They don't care about you know, what you did your undergrad in. They care about like, what do you look, what does it look like yep. when I bring my pet to you? And that's um, different. Their parents and grandparents did, you mm -hmm. know, like our, our grandparents age for sure would have, you know, boomers and the, uh, the, the generation before that very much cared about the diploma on the wall and you're, you've got the white coat and you're the doctor. But younger generations don't really like how many times you joke about uh, I've seen it too, where people are Googling what you're telling them while they're you're in the exam room with them, right. double checking you, you know, right. so that's just a general Dr. Difference. Google say that too. I yeah, don't think so. Right. <laughs> Googling vomiting dog and checking what I'm saying against what the Google said. So that's just, you know, that's just the reality. Yeah. I, I recently took my uh, newly adopted cat to the vet and I scheduled an appointment and I got um, an email welcoming me to their family. Mm -hmm. I got a text message um, reminding me and to easily confirm and got a couple more notifications along, you know, got a new client form emailed so I could have that prepared ahead of time, which I uh, sadly did not do um in time um because <laughs> i wasn't a good client but um but uh it was really a really nice experience and you know just it, everything was just very easy for me and yeah. i didn't have to i didn't have to do the only thing i had to do was the client form which i didn't do but they made it easy for me so <laughs> um but um i did eventually do it but uh yeah, it was it was nice we, to have that and and have it just like right at my phone. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's awesome. I don't have to go search for things in my email that I rarely check because I have a million other things that are bogging it down. I think for the most part, we do a fantastic job when the client is in the building in the exam room. That's not 
that's not the vulnerability that we have. The vulnerability mm -hmm. we have as a profession, as an industry, is the other 364 days and 23 hours, if you will. How do you get them back? There's a lot of distractions out there. There's a lot of messaging. Yeah. Um, so, and that's where I think also technology comes in. It's human nature. If you make something simpler, you get more of it. Mm -hmm. If you make something right. more difficult, you get less of it. So whether it's an appointment or a refill, how do you make it as simple as possible? And I think that's one of the lessons we can take from Amazon. Among I'm others. just going to say the same thing. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. Amazon figured it out. They sure did. And it's not necessarily about low prices, right? It's about right. radical convenience and simplicity Absolutely. for very busy, busy people, you know? It's, it's true. And, and, you know, it, the, the funny thing is that when I talk to practice owners and they say they don't want to do an online store, for example, or they don't want to do, um, you know, text to pay, or they don't want to do some of these newer technologies, but they, when, then when I talk to them about where they're getting their supplies for the practice, they say Amazon or they'll say they're getting it delivered yeah, from it Staples amazing? or something. And I'm like, is that yeah. easy for you? Because that could be done for your clients, for your practice. That's a great example of how, so that practice probably considers themselves client service oriented, mm -hmm. right? But they said, well, they don't want to do it. Well, what, what about what your clients want? Exactly. You know, and exactly. we, we haven't sometimes candidly, some industries take, you need to get Ubered, right? Before mm -hmm. the taxi industry need to get Ubered before they woke up and smelled the coffee. You know, mm -hmm. and there haven't there hasn't really been a bloodbath in the industry to make people realize, you know, holy cow, we got to do something about this. Um, it's just too well, difficult. Well, COVID did a little bit, I think. <laughs> yeah, but they're busier than ever. Like if uh, they're right. not worried about going out of business. You know, mm -hmm. you had ten percent of practices that go out of business because maybe there's a growing supply of veterinarians and it's a lot more competitive. Um, that kind of stuff tends to get people's attention, but you know, you haven't had to be really good at client service to be a successful veterinary practice, right? I mean, yeah. you, you could be okay at it. And even through COVID people are still, they're doing okay. Um, so there's a carrot and the stick. And sometimes there, I guess there's a, an occasion for both of them. You know, yeah. to really get people's attention. I think it's change management, right? If you want mm -hmm. somebody to change from A to B, you can't just talk about how great B is. People won't change. They'll nod their head and they'll say they're going to, but they don't. To be successful, yeah. you really need to, to explain why staying with option A is not tenable, right? right. Um, yeah. To sort of, as they call, as they say, burn the platform as it will. You know, how do you, yeah. to get somebody to jump, you have to give them a reason to, because inertia is real powerful, especially for people yeah. that are busy, you know? Absolutely. Hey, um, I wanted to just do one more little circle back to when you decided, like, what was the deciding factor for you that made you want to go back to school and create Vitus Vet? Because I remember that story that you told me, and it it is something that is you know, I'll never forget. Would you mind sharing that little story with our listeners today? Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy to. Actually, the, the story of our company begins with a little dog named Bogey. And uh, Bogey was out for a walk one Sunday afternoon with his owners, and he got into a dog fight. Not a terribly big deal, but um, 
bad enough that his owners brought him to the local emergency clinic and, um, you know, he needed anesthesia, minor wound repair, so forth. But rather than having that procedure and going home, uh, he had um, he had a bad reaction to one of the medications that was used. And he ended up on a ventilator for 12, 18 hours and then just passed away. It was terrible. He didn't make it. Mm. But he didn't die from heart failure. I, he didn't die from his wounds, for sure. Um, I think he died because his treating veterinarian that afternoon didn't have a key piece of information. Mm -hmm. Now, it turns out that Bogey couldn't tolerate a particular anesthetic, a very commonly used one. He had trouble with it during his neuter, but he pulled through okay. And although that was written all over the record at the general practice, right, this was Sunday afternoon at the emergency clinic, and they didn't have any of that information. And, you know, pet owners don't remember that stuff. And uh, so his treating veterinarian that afternoon was me. And I still, to this day, remember it like it was yesterday. And we probably all had cases like that where, you know, you lose a patient or something bad happens. It's like someone kicks you in the stomach. Mm -hmm. um, and it just, after the sadness and the frustration, after the sadness was over, it sort of turned to frustration in my mind. Like, why? Why do we still have lack of access of this medical information? It's just not right. Mm -hmm. um, especially since some of the practices, you know, can be less than a mile away from the emergency clinic. So I decided that's when I decided to go back to business school and do something about this. So VitusVet actually started off as just as an app that allowed pet owners to access their relevant medical records in an emergency, whether it's an emergency clinic or if they want to share vaccine dates with a boarding kennel to kind of empower pet owners and to say to them, hey, listen, you know, we love you as clients. Um, heaven forbid something happens during the half of the day that we're not open. We want you to have access to this information. You paid for it. It's your information. And the goodwill that that creates with clients is tremendous. 100%. Um, so that's that's sort of how VitusVet got started. We've since expanded to be a, a full client communication platform, but mobile is where we're the strongest. We're kind of a mobile first company, but the medical records are a key piece of this because, you know, there were things like, you know, there's some technology tools at the time where you could access your pet's vaccine dates or prescriptions, but at 2 a.m., as an emergency vet, I could tell you, I could care less when your dog's distemper vaccine is due. Yeah. But our app allowed that pet owner to share with the emergency vet soap notes, lab work, digital images, um, client commentary, right? Like, so very often in the soap notes, you have the the doctor at the general practice will write down what they told the client because that's another pain point, right? When the, the he said, she said between the general practice and the emergency clinic. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of contradictions sometimes um, when there doesn't have to be. So reducing that information siloing is really what started it in the first place. And when I got to business school, I realized that what happened to Bogey was I started pulling on that thread and you realize that that was just a symptom of um, 
lack of modern communication tools. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's I mean, a kind I have... of strange example of how now human medicine has leapfrogged us. We always talked about, well, at least it's better than human medicine. Well, not when it comes to record sharing and whatnot, it's not. Yeah. Kaiser, yeah. the US military, almost all of these health institutions, you can access your full medical records. Yeah, I just and, did that today. I just signed yeah. up for, for my my medical records. Um, I have a whole account. It has everything all linked in there. It's amazing. It told yeah. me when that I was overdue for my flu vaccine. So <laughs> And so the upside to that is now that what veterinarians often do is they'll say, okay, well, I guess our practice needs an app. And they'll go and they'll say, oh, this this platform has an app, check. What they don't ask are the the important questions like, but will clients use it? If it's a self-serving app that only allows them to spend money at your practice, namely request appointments and refills, they're not gonna use that. There's a lot of really cool apps out there. Yeah. Our vision is if you wanna have people engage with a, an app and be able to send reminders and whatnot like we do and have that be successful, you got to give them some value. And for us, that value is medical records. You can't look at it from a selfish standpoint. You really got to give value to those clients because they have a lot of options. Um, I mean, myself as our a download rates, go ahead. My, myself being, being a technician and, you know, previously working in practice for a long time and, and the practice that I worked at has, um, by disfet. So I still have the app on my phone and I still like, I have my pet's blood work. I have my pet's, you know, echo information. And and so that makes me feel better as a, a technician. So when we, when we go back, not just to your clients, but when you're talking about, you know, retaining talent and, and getting people to come into your practice, like for me, that is a huge plus that I yeah. have access to that. It's mine. It's about walking the talk. You're exactly right. Yeah, if you, you say you care about my pets, well, what about the 12 hours that you're closed? How mm -hmm. can you, what's your answer for them? Don't they deserve access mm -hmm. to those records? You know, well, what's really interesting is well, some practices are really worried about sharing the medical record because they're afraid that if I give my clients access to the records, it makes it easier for them to leave. When in fact, the opposite is true. Oh, absolutely. If you give client access to this, that's a massive goodwill gesture and client retention. And I've seen it happen. They download it, they open up the app and they can see their pet's records. And it's like this look of amazement and yep. then gratitude. Like, wow, thank yep. you. Because no, they're part everybody, of it. They're part of it. Yeah. So you, again, you got to give value first. So that's kind of a, that's one of the lessons of the internet that, uh, that, many practitioners haven't really gotten that in fact the successful businesses in the future are the ones that are going to be best able to share information and not hoard it absolutely um, so well, it's autonomy right i mean you want you want the like that when you go back to what people want they want autonomy yes you know they want to have the they want to have the ability to see and make decisions on their own and not be spearheaded into, well, I, I'm stuck here because I can't, it's going to be too much of a hassle for me to get my medical records. But the fact that it's shared with them, like you said, like they don't have a reason to want to leave. It's not frustrating for them. They're like, I have everything I need. And if I go to the next place, they might not have that. Yeah. And, and let's be honest with each other. People can switch vets easy. You know, yeah. you just call the new vet, that vet calls and gets a copy of the records. There's no, 
switching costs there, as we would say in uh, in business school. You know, like really, if they want to switch, they're going to switch. You having the records is not stopping them. In fact, yeah. it's a tremendous opportunity to anchor them to your practice, to walk the talk. Because the other thing is, here's how younger folks, like again, not, not to use the cliched millennial phrase, but they'll look at this like, okay, I just spent $500 on lab work and x-rays on my cat. And I can FaceTime a friend in Australia in, in real time. And you're telling me I can't see my cat's x-rays on my phone? You right. know, they'll, they'll, they'll call bullshit, right? I what know, if, what I know if they could possible. face it? Yeah, what, what do you, why are you hiding this from me? Right? Well, what That's if they could they FaceTime think. their friend in Australia and show them the x-ray picture? Right, again, <laughs> right? look how cool my vet is. Or show right. them at the dog park. I call it the dog park test. Is it something yeah. that's so cool that you would show a stranger at a dog park about? <laughs> and nice. so those are the sorts of great differentiators um, for your practice that people will talk about. You talk about word of mouth and getting new clients. That's the kind of stuff that's the, the differentiator that clients talk about, not whether you have the newest ultrasound machine. Exactly. Well, and then when you add in options for pay, texting off capabilities and things like that, then you're, you know, you're doing exactly what our topic is today is you're improving the connection between veterinarians and pet owners. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that, you know, Obviously, we we have a shameless plug here for Vitus Vet, but I think just in general, you know, having those solutions and thinking outside of the box is what's really going to help you make that bond. The bond has to be different. It's not face to face anymore. So you've removed that that face to face communication bond that we've had for so long in the veterinary field because we're doing curbside, we're doing all these different things. Everybody's busy. You've got to find another way to bond, and um. And these things are what people want. It's there's it's not just like we're just saying it because we want to say it. We're saying it because it, it is, you know, it's shown a time and time and again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you want to have that face to face interaction in your exam room, you need to get them in your building in the first place. Yeah. So that's where all of these removing those friction points that keep them out. That's what it's really about. And. I think texting and whatever technology you're exactly right, whatever platform you decide to use, just look at it from your client standpoint. How do I make this experience easier for them? Absolutely. And I, I think your 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 company definitely was the leader of the pack as far as record sharing goes. I mean, just what a concept in veterinary medicine, right? Like like you said, the humans they do it all day long, but right. we we don't and we should. Right. So yeah. um you know, I, I want to thank you for all of your, your information today, and I, I really appreciate your perspective, and I think this is a really great topic to continue um, considering and thinking about. Thank you very much for having me on. This is great uh, conversation. Time flies when they're just chopping it up and solving the world's problems, right? <laughs> I know, exactly. Um, so let me, let me ask you one last question. Uh, do, you, yeah. do you miss seeing patients? Uh, I do, and uh, I, I did relief work for several years while running Vitus Vet, but for like for the last year or so, I haven't, and I really miss it. So I'm actually going back to doing it. I'm working on picking up uh, a shift a week um, to nice. get back to uh, general practice, which, as you know, this is this is who we are, not just what we do. So I've, I've missed it, and I'm going to do something yeah. about it in 2021. 
That's awesome. Well, you're a great veterinarian, so it'll. It's nice for you to say. Thank you. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much and uh, enjoy your afternoon. Thank you listeners for tuning in today's episode of The Vet Detective and we'll look forward to seeing you next episode. Thanks for joining us on this week's episode of The Vet Detective. Like what you heard? Be sure to subscribe and tune in next time as we unfold our next veterinary mystery.